welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and other selves. And no matter the negative circumstances or outer appearances in the world during these times, no matter how hard this round of existence may be, always remain grateful for this opportunity of life, because it is a divine blessing indeed. Spend more personal time with your own mighty I Am Presence, connecting with and cultivating wisdom and knowledge, expanding the power, the love, and the light of the Spirit of God within you, and illuminating the world with your presence. Make every effort to be loved and share love, however, whenever, or wherever necessary. And always give thanks and praises to Jesus the Christ, the Ascended Masters, and all the Heavenly Hosts for reminding us of our divinity. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life, and y'all be loved. Almighty, infinite presence, thou all-pervading intelligence. Thy love, wisdom, and power govern all things. Thy divine justice is ever operating in the lives and worlds of those who look to thee with unfailing determination. We give praise and thanks that thou art ruling power and governing intelligence ruling all things. We give praise and thanks that in our world thou art the ever-sustaining, invincible power. We thank thee. God always finds a way to help those whose hearts reach out to him. The seeming mysteries of life with their attendant experiences are, when rightly understood, blessings in disguise, for any experience that causes us to turn more firmly to the one active presence, I am, God in action, has served us a wonderful purpose and blessing. The unfortunate situation in which personalities find themselves exists because they are constantly looking to outside sources for sustenance, directing intelligence, and for the love that is the supreme presence and power of the universe. It matters not what the conditions are that we face, at no time must we lose track of, or allow ourselves to be drawn from the great truth that, love is the hub of the universe upon which everything revolves. This does not mean that we shall love in harmony, discord, or anything unlike the Christ, but instead we can love God in action, the I am presence everywhere present, for the opposite of hate is love, and one cannot hate in any sense without having loved deeply. The admonition that Jesus gave was truly this idea, Each human being is a power, and is intended to be the governing principle of his life and world. In the recognition that within each human being is the I am presence of God ever acting, then everyone knows that he holds within his outer hands the scepter of dominion, and should use his conscious determination in knowing that the invincible presence of God is, every moment, the intelligent activity in his world and affairs. This keeps the attention from becoming fixed on the outer appearance, which is never the truth unless illumined by the I am presence. No matter what the problem is to be solved in the individual's life, there is only one power, presence, and intelligence that can solve it, and that is the individual's recognition of the all-powerful presence of God, with whom no outer activity may interfere, 
unless the individual's attention is knowingly or unknowingly drawn from his central recognition and acceptance of the Supreme God power. In the recognition of I am here and I am there, friends wherever needful will be raised up to one's assistance, for, I am the friends brought forward whenever and wherever it is necessary. The release from all outer dominion or interference can only come through this recognition of the I am presence, God in action in the individual's life and world. As one advances, he finds himself becoming more and more invincible to this outer creation of mankind which brings such great distress. The statement of Jesus, Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, was perhaps one of the simplest and greatest truths to ever be uttered, for the first fundamental of knowing this great truth to which he referred was to know that you have within you this invincible presence of God. If you know that and are certain of it within your own consciousness, I mean by that, standing with firm determination in the face of everything, then you know you do have that presence within. Your next step is to take your stand, I am the illumining, revealing presence, and no outer activity that I need to know can be withheld from me, because I am the wisdom, I am the perception, I am the revealing power bringing everything before me, that I may see and understand, and be able to act accordingly. It is so easy, when you once understand that, I am the only intelligence and presence acting, to see how you have the scepter within your own hands, and through this I am presence you can compel everything you need to know to be revealed to you. The student who knows the power of God within himself need never fear anything from anyone. If you want peace and harmony, know, I am the power producing it. If you want adjustment in your affairs and world, know, I am the mighty intelligence and power producing it, and no outer activity can interfere with it. Say often, I am the presence, in everything you wish to have done. This opens the way for the power of God to act and bring you justice. Have no sympathy for the outer that in its ignorance does the wrong thing, whether in yourself or someone else. Keep calm and serene, knowing, God is the only intelligence and power acting in your world and affairs. Beloved Saint Germain Isis Unveiled, Chapter 14 Dr. Rebold, a French archaeologist of some renown, gives his readers a glimpse of the culture which prevailed 5,000 years BC, by saying that there were at that time no less than 30 or 40 colleges of the priests who studied occult sciences and practical magic. A writer in the National Quarterly Review, Volume 32, Number 63, December, 1875, says that, the recent excavations made among the ruins of Carthage have brought to light traces of a civilization, a refinement of art and luxury, which must even have outshone that of ancient Rome, and when the fiat went forth, Delenda S. Cartajo, the mistress of the world well knew that she was about to destroy a greater than herself, for, while one empire swayed the world by force of arms alone, the other was the last and most perfect representative of a race who had, for centuries before Rome was dreamed of, directed the civilization, the learning, and the intelligence of mankind. This Carthage is the one which, according to Appian, was standing as early as BC 1234 or 50 years before the taking of Troy, and not the one popularly supposed to have been built by Dido, Elissa or Astarte, four centuries later. Here we have still another illustration of the truth of the doctrine of cycles. Draper's admissions as to the astronomical erudition of the ancient Egyptians are singularly supported by an interesting fact quoted by Mr. J. M. Peebles, from a lecture delivered in Philadelphia by the late Professor O. M. Mitchell, the astronomer. 
Upon the coffin of a mummy, now in the British Museum, was delineated the zodiac with the exact positions of the planets at the time of the autumnal equinox, in the year 1722 BC. Professor Mitchell calculated the exact position of the heavenly bodies belonging to our solar system at the time indicated. The result, says Mr. Peebles, I give in his own words, to my astonishment, it was found that on the 7th of October, 1722 BC, the moon and planets had occupied the exact points in the heavens marked upon the coffin in the British Museum. H. P. Blavatsky Professor John Fisk, in his onslaught on Dr. Draper's history of the intellectual development of Europe, set his pen against the doctrine of cyclical progression, remarking that we have never known the beginning or the end of a historic cycle, and have no inductive warrant for believing that we are now traversing one. He chides the author of that eloquent and thoughtful work for the odd disposition exhibited throughout his work, not only to refer the best part of Greek culture to an Egyptian source, but uniformly to exalt the non-European civilization at the expense of the European. We believe that this odd disposition might be directly sanctioned by the confessions of great Grecian historians themselves. Professor Fisk might, with profit, read Herodotus over again. The father of history confesses more than once that Greece owes everything to Egypt. As to his assertion that the world has never known the beginning or the end of a historical cycle, we have but to cast a retrospective glance on the many glorious nations which have passed away, i.e., reached the end of their great national cycle. Compare the Egypt of that day, with its perfection of art, science, and religion, its glorious sites and monuments, and its swarming population, with the Egypt of today, peopled with strangers, its ruins the abode of bats and snakes, and a few cops the sole surviving heirs to all this grandeur, and see whether the cyclical theory does not reassert itself. Says Glidden, who is now contradicted by Mr. Fisk. Philologists, astronomers, chemists, painters, architects, physicians, must return to Egypt to learn the origin of language and writing, of the calendar and solar motion, of the art of cutting granite with a copper chisel, and of giving elasticity to a copper sword, of making glass with the variegated hues of the rainbow, of moving single blocks of polished cyanite, 900 tons in weight, for any distance, by land and water, of building arches, rounded and pointed, with Masonic precision unsurpassed at the present day, and antecedent by 2,000 years to the Cloaca Magna of Rome, of sculpturing a Doric column 1,000 years before the Dorians are known in history, of fresco painting in imperishable colors, of practical knowledge in anatomy, and of time-defying pyramid building. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 14 Mankind needs to understand where the great treasure house of the universe is, what it contains, what you can have in your outer use, and how necessary it is for you to expand it through yourselves. This outer world has blessed you tremendously, beloved ones, century after century, as you have embodied here again and again and again. You have used the things of this world, you have used the substance and the blessings of the powers of nature and forces of the elements, and you have used many many, many things that the energy and consciousness of other life streams have created in one civilization after another. You have used these things that are the gift of someone else's life stream. You have used these many many centuries down through the ages, but you have not realized how much life gives to the use of the outer self when one embodies in the physical world. 
Masses of mankind just take for granted everything in this world, and sometimes rebel furiously because the outer self doesn't have all it wants, when it has continually misused that which has been given in the past. We are the eternal protection, almighty cosmic intelligence of the great central sun's sacred fire love, the heart flame of the universe, the heart flame of perfect existence, the heart flame of one civilization after another, and the heart flame that enables you to attain the ascension. No one can attain the ascension without the sacred fire love of the seven mighty Elohim, because when your mighty I am presence and higher mental body draw the heart flame within you up and into itself, and into the causal body, we are the enfolding sun presence of our love that keeps everything still and untouched, until your victory is attained. We are constantly giving everything from the heart of creation into the outer use of mankind for the fulfillment of the great divine plan, and we will continue to give it. But there comes the time, when, between embodiments, the outer self, if it has not served the constructive way of life and has not fulfilled its own divine plan, the outer self must face the reaction of its own creation, and then we decide whether that life stream shall go on into more embodiments or whether that life stream must be withdrawn. The mighty I am presence and the seven mighty Elohim, are the deciding authority and power and intelligence and wisdom, that says to the outer self, when it will not let our divine plan be fulfilled, and that of the mighty I am presence, we are the ones who say, thus far and no farther can you have anything in this world. If you let not the light expand through the love that has blessed you, then you must cease to be. That outer intellectual consciousness is dissolved and consumed by the sacred fire of our love's eternal purity. Then the higher mental body must try again and draw forth another flame to establish another identity, an outer personal self. And again, we enfold that in our sevenfold flame of the seven mighty Elohim. So, there comes the time when there is the reckoning. Mankind cannot go on and consciously and constantly defy the greater perfection of the universe and the intelligence that creates it and the love that gives it. The outer intellectual consciousness and the outer feeling cannot go on indefinitely and defy the perfection of love that is so great that it fills infinite space with magnificent miracle manifestations. The outer self that defies that must of necessity realize there comes the moment when either you are grateful to life, or you must cease to be. This is the peace which we bring when mankind turns to the light lovingly, willingly, gratefully, and understands life enough to cooperate with it, so the outer self may be comfortable, produce perfection, reach mastery, and become a co-creator with us in the atmosphere of this world and all worlds to come. Beloved Elohim of Peace Our love is not to be sneered at and transgressed and ignored and ridiculed and defied and refused without penalty. When life is so magnificent and life gives so constantly to produce the manifestation of perfection to bless all infinity, mankind cannot go on and defy the law of my peace, the law of my harmony, the law of my love, without terrific suffering. Mankind needs to awaken and develop gratitude and understanding that the infinite universe is master over the finite, and our infinite love of the seven mighty Elohim of creation, our sacred fire heart's flame is master over the selfishness of mankind, the filth and the destruction of human creation, and is master over the powers of nature and forces of the elements, all of which have blessed the outer personal self in one embodiment after the other. Now I come to you today to expand through you, if you will let me by remembering me, to expand through your own consciousness, your brain structure, your outer mind, your outer intellectual consciousness, and to expand through the energy of your feeling world my heart flames love, the love that gives the peace that surpasses the understanding of the mind. I come to give the love that sets all free, purifies all things, 
perfects all things, and raises all into greater and greater perfection of that love. If mankind will remember me, and let my heart flames love fill the outer self with what I know keeps out the destructive forces of the outer world, I can be the invincible protection within your feeling world of the energy of your own life stream, to keep the destructive forces of the outer world from pressing heavily upon you or imposing their destructive qualities that sometimes you have not realized are surrounding you, and are responsible for much failure, destruction, and desecration. I am master of everything in the universe by the love and the purity and the peace which I am, and that is power without limit. That is the concentration of energy that has become the sacred fire that nothing in this world can ever change. Nothing. Beloved Elohim Peace. Thank you.